This is Recovery Revolution Live. The episode that you're about to hear is live and unedited. If you're interested in watching the live stream, head over to facebook.com slash recoveryrevolution100. We record a new episode every Monday night starting at 7 p.m. Central Time. What's going on, guys? It is another episode of Recovery Revolution Live. So glad you could join us tonight. My name is Brett. I am the host of Recovery Revolution Live, and I also have another podcast called Recovery Survey that airs every Wednesday morning. It's a little bit of a shorter form, usually about 30-minute episodes. So if you're interested in that, please check that out. And the audio version of tonight's live stream will also be posted in about an hour after the live stream ends. And you can find that by searching Recovery Revolution Live on your favorite podcast player. I'm also joined tonight by a guest co-host, Miss Ashley Grimes. Let me put you on the screen so everybody can see you. What's going on, Ashley? Ashley has recently been... Uh, She's just became the NAMI Florida uh, president. She lives in long-term recovery from co-occurring mental health and substance use disorders. And she's an advocate for recovery-friendly workplaces, recovery-oriented systems of care, trauma-informed justice systems, recovery schools, peer support, and the list goes on and on. So glad to have you as a co-host tonight, Ashley. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And we also have a guest this evening, and her name is Martha, and she is a recovery podcast host, and she has a recovery blog called Out Loud Recovery, and the name of her podcast is Recovering Out Loud. Welcome, Martha. So glad to have everybody on here tonight. Hello. And before before we started the show, Martha was saying that she had just come down with COVID, so she's a little stuffed up and stuff, but we're so glad you were able to make it and be here with us tonight. Well, I'm always happy to talk for recovery, especially I love you for introducing Ashley and that recovery and trauma-informed workplaces is huge for me. Um that noise if you hear it it's a dog i'm watching <laughs> no you're fine you're he's fine a little old he's a little old and he's having trouble with the hardwood so if i have to move him at some point it's because he can't get traction um he's oh. trying he, he's working on it so anyway but one of the reasons uh you know i I have my own pet care business for working. Um, well, it's like me and my kids, <laughs> but we're working and I have an investor and we're working on getting a retail location here in Manhattan. And I found dog walking and then boarding and sitting and like light grooming. I found all of that once I got sober because I could not figure out what I was gonna do for a living if I couldn't if I couldn't drink. And um, a lot of my drinking comes from a place of trauma. And you know, there's a huge trauma component. Like, you know, even with my how, 
sorry, sorry, texting me. Um, <laughs> even with, um, you know, trauma and CPTSD being a part of my recovery story, I have, um, it's, it's been a battle because a lot of the traditional methods of recovery, um, so sorry, not that you have to see my hand, but I have to plug up my phone. No, you're um, fine, you're fine. I'm sorry. No, I was saying you're fine. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> and, um, shoot, this is not, okay. I did not mean to make you have to end up editing. You're fine. So you're <laughs> okay, we're totally good. We're all set up now. Um, but what I was saying, um, I don't know if you if you two saw it, but the meme I posted um, the other day with Dolly Parton, and it says, um, and I'm originally from Kentucky, so sometimes my southern side comes out. And I was like, just thinking about those people that were telling me I was on a pink cloud, like, bless their heart. <laughs> Here I am four years later. And four years ago, so I had an original account, um, Recovering Out Loud, and that got hacked, and I lost it, and it was, and then I had to, I just started a new account. So, I'm like, Fighting with Instagram takes forever. So that I started Martha recovering out loud. And then my blog is my out loud recovery. <laughs> but, you know, four years ago, there weren't a lot of people on Instagram that were very open about, uh, what is now coined all pathways and everybody says all pathways and it just seems to be the norm now when four years ago if you weren't participating in AA you got trolled on like every single post was like oh when you come off your pink cloud you know I remember I I went to Alaska to see my family and took some really beautiful pictures. Um, that's where my family's from. Um, and I mean, people were relentless, like, oh, you get sober and you go to a mountain. And it's like, no, I got sober and finally had enough money to go visit my family that happens to live in the mountains. But okay. Um, but there used to be so much stigma to not participating in the traditional methods of recovery. And, you know, I just made that post and just coming from a place of love for people that were standing with me four years ago when we were saying our recovery matters too. That um, I'm, I'm not just 
an alcoholic. I also have CPTSD. I have, which um, I know the two of you probably know what that means, but to other for other people, I'll explain complex PTSD is uh, when I first heard this, I was like, wow, um, did not realize how bad what I went through was. Um, but I mean, I grew up watching my mom have, you know, a knife bolt to her throat, you know? So in hindsight, I guess my judgment was skewed. I just figured bad relationships were bad relationships, but um, then I decided to have a 10-year domestic violence relationship, and I learned that complex PTSD is a very different animal than PTSD, and that C CPTSD um, is what childhood abuse survivors uh Childhood abuse survivors, domestic violence survivors, prisoners of war, like what they have, um, what they have. So I liken having CPTSD. So PTSD is like if you were in a car crash. Single event. Well, right? what if you had a car crash every day for seven years? You're going to present different symptoms. Definitely. And so for me, hypervigilance is a very, very big symptom of that, which made a lot of mainstream recovery methods very difficult for me and almost more stressful than helpful. What I know if y'all want me to keep reading, like I'm having trouble hearing you. Oh, can you hear me now? Is that better? Yeah. So what do you what do you consider the traditional recovery methods? So you're talking AA, NA, smart recovery, like AA, NA, you know, it was kinda especially four years ago, it was very much oh, people would troll me and my friends' recovery pages with this assumption that if you're not in AA, then you're against it. If you're not in NA, then you're against it. Teach their own, whatever works for you. Um, you know, when I count, when I counsel people and people come to, you know, message me, like, what do I do? Um, I offer AA. I say it's there. It's free. Like, go now if you want to go. Um, Sometimes people are like, you know, I have six months clean. I have six months clean, but I'm getting really lonely. Be like, I don't know, try an AA meeting. You know, at least you know they're going to be sober. Uh, and, um, but for me personally, it would, I can't be in a room with people. I don't know. I have difficulty with 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 men. Even sometimes men uh, 
Hyper, exactly, Dawn. Dawn just said hypervigilance is difficult too. I deal with that. Hypervigilance can really be distracting when you're trying to be in um, group therapy. So um, I found individual one-on-one -on -one therapy was best for me. And with the level of trauma that I had, I mean, I was just recently sexually assaulted on the subway. I mean, it's not like trauma stops when you get sober. Things can still happen to you. And, um, you know, it's getting a little expensive not taking the subway right now. But it's, you know, take a cab or put myself at risk for a panic attack and um but a better understanding of my trauma and anxiety issues really has helped me stay sober for it's god i'm like 10 days shy of four years so well congratulations so what kind of things did you consider that helped your recovery if you, if you didn't do the traditional ways? Did you do trauma therapy and stuff like that? Yeah. So this is the really sad part. Um, I had been trying to get into trauma therapy for years and years and years. Um, I made a therapist cry and she gave me my check back. Um, I showed up, um, I didn't have, I wasn't making much money. I had just got out of a domestic violence situation and I scraped together what money I could to go, um, to go see this therapist. And I had a check in my hand and I go in and I sit down and the woman asked me, She's like, why are you here? And they always ask, you know, what are your goals? Why are you here? And I was just like, I start to tell her. I'm like, I just got this abusive relationship. He told me recently. There was this one night in particular where he was beating me in front of my children while they were in the bathtub. And I I saw this look at his face that reminded me of my childhood. And it was like, this man is trying to kill me. Uh, and literally, I just, you know, and it's so vivid in my mind because my kids were probably 18 or Not yet, four, like four, like two and five, four, something like that. And my oldest was quiet and watch, and my youngest was going, don't hit my mommy. And I was in between the, the toilet bowl and the wall and he was kicking me and he had his hand in the door frame. And I start kicking back because he used to like to kick me in the head. 
But there was something different about his the look on his face. His eyes were black. I like it looked like the devil coming at me, and I kicked, and I saw his hand was in the door jam, and I was like, if I kick that door hard enough, I'll break his fingers. Like I didn't know how breaking his fingers would stop him from killing me, but I was like, that's the only thing I can do right now, and. I managed to kick that door and it smashed his fingers and it snapped him out of the rage. Well, incredibly hard to have to be a parent in the same moment you're trying to protect yourself. Yeah. And I'm, I would say that the, my mental health after that severely started to decline. I attempted suicide. Um, no one in my family was helping me. My mother was telling me to stay for the money because he was wealthy and that I should stay. Um, and to stay till at least both my kids were in school because it would be easier to be alone. It would be easier to be a single parent if I waited till my kids were in school. And that upset me because I, I knew if I stayed, he would kill me. I knew I was better than that. I knew that I didn't need to wait for my kids to be both in school. It wasn't gonna change anything. Like, it wasn't gonna make it any easier to be a single parent, you know? Right now I'm a single parent taking care of two teenagers who can barely, they can barely breathe at the moment, but. <laughs> well, what would you tell yourself back then if, you know, the, the person um, that was doubting whether they could do it or not and where you're at now? If somebody's listening that's going through that situation, what would you tell them? Yeah, I just want to backtrack really quick, though. All right, that thing about, so when I went in to see this trauma thing, I did, it, she wasn't a Trump therapist. She was a therapist, but therapists are very expensive here. And I saved up my like $300 for a session and I went in and I was like, you know, she was like, we mean a domestic violence thing. And I'm like, he had recently admitted to me he was trying to kill me. He, he said that night and I, he knew I knew what he was talking about. He goes, that night I was trying to kill you and said it so straight faced. Just like it, it would have been nothing to him. And then uh, she started asking me about, you know, of course they ask you about your childhood. And I'm like, well, I have two bipolar parents. My dad's dead and my mom is apparently pro Martha getting her ass kicked. So I was like, um, I don't know what part, what part. And then uh, she was like, have you ever been sexually assaulted? And I'm like, oh my God. So I start telling her, this woman breaks into tears gives me my check back and asks if she can give me a hug. And I was just like, okay. And uh, she goes, I know you were 
she goes, I know you probably feel disappointed because you came here today for help and I couldn't give you anything, but you need to be in a trauma therapy program. And that, first of all, trauma therapy programs are very hard to find. Very, very hard to find. And in New York City, the waiting list for people with Medicaid was over two years. So I started making the contacts. But I also, at the time... I don't have tissues over here. Um, I also, at the time, did not... um, I don't know how to put this. It felt like another person telling me I wasn't fixable. It was just another person saying, you're so screwed up. And this is such a silly thing to have. Maybe it's silly, maybe it's not. I've learned nothing's really silly. But there was a guy in high school I dated. Not in high school, in college. And I caught him cheating on me with my best friend. And he said to me when I confronted him, he said... He said, I could never take you around my family. He's like, what do you think I'm going to do? Take you around my family? Take you around? uh, I was like, he goes, I could take, he's like, I could take her around my family. He said, you, I'm just here to watch the train wreck. And that affected me for years and years and years because and there there was a lot of trauma around things like that and um i i'm no contact with my mother anymore that's huge because um so much of these issues came from her mistreatment of me and her abuse and the things she would say. Um, You know, she constantly told me that boys didn't really like me. They just liked that I put out. And that if I would stop putting out, they wouldn't like me. Um, I told her at, at one point that a used car salesman had molested me. She goes, well, he gave you $2,000 off the car, Danny. So my value that I put on myself as a person was so low. And it breaks my heart when I think about the girl that I was when I'm accomplishing so much now. Um, you know, I've made page six twice for being sober. I was for sure I was going to make page six for my exploits with this billionaire I dated or 
from some crazy night out with a celebrity. Who knew sobriety was going to put me on page six? Um, when I was a kid, I always dreamed of writing, you know, being a writer. And now I have a book agent, and um, my story was part of a New York Times story. I mean, these are things I never thought was possible. I, through the trauma of my childhood and various abusive relationships, I um, my world got smaller and smaller. I don't know how I if you want me to elaborate on that, um, I will, but I hope you're welcome bigger. Yeah, I, oh, I'm having a, a little bit of a hard time hearing you. How has your world gotten bigger? Well, like I would have never imagined I would go in by myself and go to the bank and do all the small business loan stuff and open an actual store in Midtown Manhattan you have dreams and you're accomplishing like, right so cool it's like little me like and there was so long that i honestly thought all that there was for me was just a some wealthy benevolent man to take care of me that at least maybe I had my looks, like at least I had my looks. But the truth is, after four years of sobriety, I have like de-aged. I look a thousand times better than I ever did when I was using. Um, apparently skeletal alcoholic cokehead is not like a look anymore. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so apparently, you know, like, um, alcoholic chic was never a thing. Um, I see now how the men I had in my life very much exploited where I was. I was often the other woman. I really truly believe that was all I really deserved um and a lot of a lot of women want to admit to that I mean that's fine but when I think about now how many like over a decade of my life was spent accepting I wasn't good enough to have all of somebody and I didn't deserve all of somebody. That's very, um, and what's insane? Oh my gosh, so my crazy ex, I always have like crazy stories. Maybe that's why people like follow me on Instagram. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, so through a weird course of events, I ended up having to have a conversation with my abusive ex. Um, 
long story short, he apparently was still on um, one of my kids' emergency contacts from like years and years and years ago. I don't even know how they found his like work number. But anyway, I get a text message from him saying like, hey, Martha, I don't want to bother you, but this the school just contacted me. They said they can't get a hold of you. I hope the kids are okay. And obviously, like any mom, I'm like, oh my God, what is so bad that, you know, they're reaching to the sixth person on the contact sheet? And it turns out my son was just missing some French homework. But um, I thought to myself, I said, you know what? I know he's a narcissist. I know he's a dangerous person. But I'm going to be kind. I'm going to approach this with kindness and gratefulness. Like, thank you for letting me know. Like, you didn't have to do that. Thank you. And I said to him, you know, it's been a really rough three, couple years with, you know, COVID and stuff. I said, do you mind if I leave you on that contact sheet? Because I don't have any family in the city and you're the only person who knows all my extended family. I mean, we were together for a decade. So he knows like my mom's name, my brother's name, my sister's name. So, um, and he goes, yeah, yeah. He's like, it's not a problem. I said, okay. I said, they're probably only going to contact you. Like if somebody's like, it's a serious, serious thing. But I'm just, can I leave you on this contact sheet? Well, we kind of exchanged, we exchanged a few messages. And uh, then he offered me money for sex. Now, I... Every thought that went through my head in that moment. First of all, this is someone I raised children with. I also allowed him to other woman me for 10 years. He abused me mentally, physically, verbally, financially. You know, And I'm sitting here trying to think, what did I do to make him think I was even interested in such a proposition? I'm doing well. I'm opening my own retail location. I don't need you. I don't need your money. I don't need your your body. I I, I, I don't need your presence. Like all I did was say, do you mind if I leave the call sheet as is? And, uh, but then I was really proud of myself for how I handled it because instead of flying off the handle and what is it they say on, um, the Ripper, effing and Jeffing, <laughs> like Cockney rhyme and sleep, instead of effing and Jeffing him, I was like, I just expressed my disappointment. I said, you know what? 
I had forgiven you to a point where I could never say what you did was okay and it'll never be okay. I said, I will never sign off on how you treated me, how much of my life you wasted, how small you made me feel. I said, but if you think for one second, sex or money is going to be part of our story right now, it's, you, you've lost your mind. It was just like, I've obviously moved on. I'm obviously better. Like, I don't, and, you know, I was so proud of myself in that moment because I, I took, it wasn't so much that I took the high road, you know, it was, I didn't get in the mud, you know, it wasn't, I didn't take it as this opportunity because normally um, instances like that or bumping into him, uh, Manhattan's big, but it's very small too. <laughs> and um, a lot of times those things would cause me to drink heavily or want to relapse. But when it happened the other day, I was so strong and so resolute. It, it was just such a great feeling. And so if there are women out there right now and you're discounting yourself or every time a guy makes you feel not enough or convinces you to play small, I think we as women go and you know, society is telling us it's okay to drink like the men, which biologically and physiologically, we should not. Um, we will die faster. That is a medical fact. Um, instead of, you know, that pride I felt in finally just being like, no, I don't need you. I don't need your money. I'm fine. Look at the comments. They're saying that they're so proud of you. I'm proud of you now. You're amazing. You're so strong. Oh, thank you. Of, I'm proud of you too. It takes a lot. <laughs> and I think that we can find somebody else to put on that list that because you oh, thank you. on your kids' pickup list. Anyone who <laughs> work wanna volunteer? And we'll do a background check on you. Just kidding. Oh me? No, no, no. I was saying someone to put someone on your list, your pickup list, so that you don't oh. have to have them. You deserve to have somebody amazing on your list, not... Oh, thank them. you. <laughs> um, but, you know, I've really thought about this. And my... Oh, my God. This is where I try not to cry because I miss my grandma so much. And I wish she could see all that I'm doing now. But there's a nice um, 
inside joke in the family because my grandma used to brag about me so bad it drove the other grandkids crazy so when uh when i was in the new york times i told everybody i waited for her to die to do my best to, to end up in the times so they wouldn't all have to hear about it <laughs> that's funny <laughs> But, uh, you know, of all the people I miss, I miss her the most. Because, oh, there went my phone. Because um, no matter when it was, she, she is truly the reason I, sh I shouldn't have. I, I avoided some very terrible decisions, even though a lot of my decisions were horrible. There were some that I avoided that were even more horrible. And uh, I think back to, I remember my high school graduation, there was a boy I liked. And looking back, I'm like, why did I think that this guy with this stupid Remember when, it, when guys had those, like, gelled super straight, like, bangs that looked like diving boards? Whatever. But why I thought that I put this guy on such a pedestal. And he came up and had his mom take a picture of me and him. And my grandma goes, he's cute. What about him? And I looked at my grandma and I go, Grandma, he's from money. He doesn't talk to girls like me. And the look on my grandmother's face, she's like, you are worthy of anything and anybody that you want. She's like, you, who, it, it was almost like she could not fathom who put this concept in my head that I wasn't good enough? She was right. And I was like, then there was another time uh, I had just moved to New York and I'd never lied about I used to be a dancer. I was a stripper, I didn't care, whatever. Uh, people ask me lots of questions about hustlers because I worked with those but um, they did not look like J-Lo, just want to let you know. Um, but um, I remember one night, they hadn't been in the city very long, and there was this, like, male model from Brazil. It, 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 was, it was a weird story. But anyway, I, I go into work, and uh, this girl hears me say, I go, I don't know why this guy's after me. It's like, I said, I'm just a stripper. Like, why is he talking to me? This girl drops her makeup brushes and she looks at me and she goes, you are never just anything. Don't ever let me hear you talk about yourself like that. And I was like, whoa. Like, and 
you know, I've had a good four years to really think about how I viewed and treated myself, how I treated my body, how I let other people treat me. Um, and, and going through that trauma, finding the roots of that and where that came from, it definitely came from shame from uh, like shame from molestation shame from sexual assault um having a narcissistic mom set me up for narcissistic relationships which it has been proven that usually if you end up in an abusive relationship that's not your first abuser rarely your first so usually there was there was someone in your childhood um and you're because you almost it, you have you have to be conditioned to accept that kind of treatment you know i when i was when i was a kid when i was a kid i was like super smart straight a's Oh, girl, Dawn, I love it. I love her comment. She has one year and two months is now um, clean and realizing you have worth. You have so much worth. And we all have so much worth. And, you know, going back to what I was saying about, you know, posting that meme, just shouting out the people who were on their soapboxes with me four years ago, saying recovery matters, all recovery matters. I don't care. It all matters. And that could be recovery from, uh, you know, mental health recovery. I know you had mentioned co-occurring disorders. So amazingly common. Like people aren't running around drinking. Just like this concept of the ravenous alcoholic that has one sip and is just hooked and gives up their whole life. It's like most people build into it or like start drinking when they're 13 or you know, I had friends who started drinking, their drinking uptick during postpartum depression. I mean, there are some ideas that are like hardwired into our brains through, you know, like dare programs and like old movies and stuff. Um, you know, it's crazy. I've seen that day. Does anybody remember the Suzanne Summers story? about her life and her dad like fell over in church with cirrhosis of the liver. I don't know. Am I the only person that watched that made for TV movie? Uh, anyway, um, her story was one of like, she grew up around severe alcoholism and kind of triumphed over it. But um, anyway, you start to learn this isn't all following some neat protocol and when you when you go and you focus on your mental health as a component of your recovery 
I think you'll have so much more success. Mm. So, do, you, do you know what SAMHSA defines recovery as? I'm sorry? Do you know what SAMHSA defines recovery as? What? The process of change through which people improve their health and live self-directed lives and strive to reach their full potential. So it doesn't ah! matter what pathway, that's what SAMHSA defines recovery as. I have never heard that. I absolutely love that. And for me, you know, it's I have some amazing people in my life right now who... Yeah, I'm atheist, but whatever entity in this world put these people in my life, I mean, I am beyond grateful, and they're the people I'm watching their talks, um, but I, they're just this amazing, accomplished couple with the amazing children, um, and you know, I'm just their dog walker. They don't have to Wait, love your, me like they do. What's your grandma but, telling you? Or was it, was it your grandmother or was it the other woman? Somebody told you something. You're not just anything, right? I'm sorry, what? You're not, you're not just anything. You're not just their dog walker. Yeah. <laughs> um. I mean, and, and believe me, they they have the fu money and the jobs to be able to be like that's a dog walker, but um, no, they they really have taken me under their wing and treated me as a part of their family, and the wife is you know she's a high powered attorney in New York and. You know, she's noticed little things. Like, she's like, you know, one day I came in and I had done my hair and put on lipstick for the first time in a while. Because, like, this freaking pandemic, like, I didn't. I was dressing like a hobo for most of it. And I said to her, I said, don't you? I was like, you just feel better if you do your hair and put on a little lipstick. And um, then she just started encouraging me to to just put myself together every morning. And then um, she, encouraged, she encouraged me to, I was starting to eat a lot of takeout. I don't know, I was eating way too many calzones over the, uh, I'm like the, I'm like Ben Wyatt, I like calzones. I was eating a lot of calzones over the, <laughs> over, the pandemic and um you know she was like just be kinder to your body and so now i send her like a picture of a salad and i'll be like hashtag not a calzone and um and it's just wonderful that i have these people in my lives in my life now who provide me with you know just guidance and data girls and that's just something you know I got I got those things from my grandmother but my grandmother I only saw her over the summers and 
you know, um, as I got older, very, very random visits because she moved to Alaska. But to have people in my life right now and all the wonderful people in the recovery community that remind me daily that I am somebody and I do have potential. And quite frankly, my past does not define me and it will not define me. It's made me stronger. It's made me who I am. It's made me champion the topics that I champion, but it's not in any way gonna affect where I end up. Mm, And I let people dictate my worth for far, far, far too long. Well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pause real quick and do the uh, the shirt giveaway. But when we after the giveaway, I'd love to because I know you you said your sober date is around. Uh, it's on the thirtieth, and so we're kind of in the holiday season. So I'd love to kind of wrap up with maybe get everybody's opinion on different strategies as far as how to go about different holiday events and uh, and stay sober. So we're gonna do the shirt giveaway real quick. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bring in the the, the huh? giveaway music. Oh, shit. Do a little quick giveaway, and let me hit the button and see who we got on the little picker thing. All right, can you hear me? Yes, can you? All right, David Barnes from Broken Chains Apparel won the t-shirt tonight. Woohoo, David Barnes. All right, David. Congratulations, David. Send us a message with your, oh, I think I already have your address, but anyway, David, uh, send me a message and we'll get that all figured out. Um, and I will go back and talk about um, different strategies for getting through the holidays sober. So your, your sober date is the day before New Year's Eve? Was your Where's Buck? I don't know. Brett was <coughs> guess, first staying sober during New Year's connection. I think connection is important when you feel alone. You know, it really takes a toll on you. Mm, yeah. There's all kinds of sober, you know, New Year's parties. Um, I think having friends in a you know, support system, people you can call groups like this, um, you know, where there's people supporting people. There's bugs. Right. Yeah, I think she good. talked about, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. I think those are some great, some great points you made there. And I think if we support each other, it really helps too. You know, she touched on women, you know, some, sometimes don't support each other and how powerful it is when another woman supports a, you know, a woman, another mom supports a mom. Yeah. And I think yeah. That's Martha, do you have any, any tips for people uh, trying to stay sober during the holidays? Do you have any tips for staying sober during the holidays? I think she's having a hard time hearing us. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't think she can hear us. Can you hear us now? Hello? Hello? Can you hear us now? Hello, Martha. Can you hear us? Hi. Hey. Can somebody give me a heads up? Yeah. Can you hear us? Uh, so sober tips for the holidays. Um, I hope everybody can hear me. Yes. Um, so my sober tips for the holidays are. Uh, so first of all, always drive yourself or um, have money for a cab or an Uber. Um, never leave the house without your phone fully charged because nothing sucks more than when you are ready to leave somewhere and your phone's on 2% and then you're like, oh crap, I gotta find a charger and stand here. So you get to be triggered by a bunch of drunk idiots and you know, whatever. Um, if you're like me and uh, family is super triggering, Tell them I'm sorry. I'll stop and see you in January. Because you know what? Your recovery is more important than their feelings. Um, I spent 30-something years of my life, um, you know, doing whatever holiday things my family wanted me to do, and I was miserable. And then it got to the point to where... Um, I didn't do them and it, you know, would sit at home and use by myself. Um, but that's another story. But create your own traditions that work with your sobriety. So um, for me, uh, you know, I may not participate in, fam you know, extended family holiday stuff or even with all of my friends, but I make it a point to visit them throughout the year. So um, never feel obligated to participate in anything that is gonna jeopardize your recovery. Um, I know the holidays seem really special and important and in this time when we've all been apart so much, um, a time for us to get together but believe me, um, I already said how much I miss my grandma. You don't need a special occasion to see the people you love and care about. Um, so, you know, if you want to see grandma, but you don't want to see the drunk uncles, go see grandma. Skip the party. Um, know your limits. Know when to leave. Um. Uh, Let's say, you know, you're okay with people having a few beers around you, but when the hard liquor comes out, that's when you go. Um, I know for me, um, I still have friends who dabble in narcotics, uh, you know, whatever. People, I can't control what other people do, but my friends know if they're getting ready yeah, I have friends who are very supportive. I'm very lucky in that way. 
my friends know that I don't mind if people are having a few cocktails, but if it's going to be anything more, um, they kind of like, they just let me know. And I say good night and I get in a cab and I go home. Uh, so very strong boundaries, keep your boundaries. Um, and I don't really know any other way to say this, but call a spade a spade. Like, I think we lie to ourselves and we're like, oh, it's a holiday party. It's a birthday. You already know before you go if it's going to be a booze fest. I think I've rarely been surprised when something turned into a, a giant party in that sense. Um, create new traditions. Uh, stay close to your support network. Try to, um, regardless of what recovery program you use, or if you, um, you know, have Instagram friends, Facebook friends, there's message boards, there's Reddit, that, you know, stay in contact, stay in contact. And, and my last tip, if you are going into an, a holiday event or a thing that might, uh, that you're concerned will trigger you, have a point man, have, um, have somebody you check in with before you go in, check in with while you're there and check in with when you leave. So those are a handful of my tips. Oh, also it's, it's very nice to show up to a party. Uh, so when you go to a party, don't expect them to have non-alcoholic options for you. Always bring something for you to drink. Because, um, let's be honest, John Mulaney put it best when he said, uh, when you quit drinking, people forget what other things there are to drink. When you show, <laughs> when you show up to their house, like, we have a turnip and some tap water. Uh, so yeah, bring your own non-alcoholic beverage, whether that's sparkling water or if you're like me and enjoy mocktail type style stuff, uh, you know, do you be you, but uh, just stay out of trouble and just remember, uh, as a good friend of mine always says, this too shall pass. So, um, you know, one day at a time, get through it. All those wonderful cliches that keep <laughs> us trucking. Those are great. Tips. Those are my sober tips. <laughs> Those are good. I've fallen asleep before midnight the last two New Year's, and I don't think I've missed anything. I, it was probably the yeah. best sleep I've gotten. So. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, Martha, we really, really do appreciate you coming on tonight and, and sharing part of your story with us. And man, I, I truly am just oh, blown away by chat. all the I'm going to read some of the comments. Things. Oh, yeah, wow. Definitely. <laughs> I'm just seeing all these comments. You guys are awesome. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of love for you in the comments. And we, we really do appreciate you coming on and, and sharing with us. It was great having you on tonight. And be sure to check out Martha's podcast, Recovering Out Loud. And uh, I also have the Recovery Survey podcast. It's every Wednesday, so be sure to check that out as well. 
And um, the audio version of this broadcast will be available in about an hour or so. So be sure to subscribe to both Recovery Survey, Recovery Revolution Live, and Recovering Out Loud with Martha. And um, remember, guys, it is progress, not perfection. And we will see you next week. Have a good night.